turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 9. We started a lesson last week and I know sometimes on holiday weekends I, I'll do something along that theme, but we're in the middle of a, well, we're not even in the middle. We just really got to the beginning of a lesson last week. We didn't get much farther and I really feel like this is the direction we need to go again today. And so we're going back again to Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to start with verse number 27 and read just three verses of Scripture here, Matthew 9, chapter, uh, verses 27 through 29, Matthew chapter 9, amen. The Bible says, and when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him crying and saying, thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, blind men came to him. And Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? And they said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. According to your faith, be it unto you. Amen. And so today we're going into part two of this lesson that I've entitled The Elements of Faith. The Elements of Faith. Let's put our Bibles down and let's lift our hands and lift our voices Let's ask the Lord to speak to us today. Let's ask Him to increase our faith. Can we do that? Can we pray that prayer today? Lord, increase my faith. Let's talk to the Lord together. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, let's worship Him together, everyone. Let's praise the Lord. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, I'm going to do a brief review here today. And uh, as I said, we didn't get very far in this lesson last week. And um, we're going to see if we can make a little more progress today, Lord willing. And so let me just remind you of the few things we did talk about in last week's lesson. Um, first of all, I started with the fact that any time that you are going to study a subject in the Bible, uh, we want to call it a Bible doctrine, and some people are afraid of that word doctrine. They don't like the word doctrine. Uh, I've met people who think doctrine is divisive. The word doctrine simply means teaching. That's what it means. And so teaching is only divisive 
if people are not willing to accept truth. As long as teaching is based upon truth. It doesn't divide those who love truth. It unites those who love truth. Amen. And so if we're going to, if we're going to build a Bible doctrine, a true doctrine, then the first thing we have to know is that true Bible doctrines are built precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little and there a little. Understanding the scripture is much like putting a jigsaw puzzle together. And this is, as I pointed out to you last week, this is where many people go into error because they pull one verse of scripture out of a chapter and they build their doctrine on that one verse without using this precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little and there a little. And doing that is like taking a big jigsaw puzzle, pulling out one piece and saying, this is what the picture looks like. Obviously, that's not the picture. That's one piece of the picture. And for you to get the whole picture, you got to put the whole puzzle together. And so it is as we study Bible doctrines. Uh, if you don't do it that way, then you may find verses that seem to contradict one another. But as long as you'll put all the pieces in their proper place, then no scripture ever contradicts another scripture. Neither is any scripture ever wrong. Hallelujah. Our interpretation can be wrong, but the scripture's never wrong. Now, having said that, we then began looking at some precepts regarding faith. And again, I want to remind you, we're going precept upon precept. So we start at the foundation and we build upon each precept. Each precept laying a little bit more of the foundation and then we begin to build from there. And so the first thing that we talked about last week was the fact that God wants us, yea, God expects us to have faith. He expects that. We have to have faith. We cannot please God without faith. It's impossible, the Bible says, to please God without faith. It cannot be done. And so we have to have faith. Praise God. Um, then, principle number two is that all things are possible with God. Everything is possible with this God that we serve. There's nothing too hard for Him. There's nothing too complicated for Him. There's nothing too difficult for Him. All things. Everyone say all things. All things are possible with God. And then principle number three, which was as far as we got last week, is that they are possible only if you can believe. Now, that doesn't take away from the possibility, but they're only going to happen if you believe. Jesus was very clear, and we read Scripture to you. And again, all of these things we laid out with Scriptures, uh, as is my practice. And if you were not here, you can go back and listen to last week's lesson. 
But each of these principles were founded upon scriptures. I gave you verses from the Word of God that show it's possible if you believe. Amen. And so knowing that, let me go to principle number four, and this is where we begin today. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2, Brother Goff, if you'll read that for us, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them. Now I want you to pay attention to this. The word preached did not profit them. It did them no good. It was ineffective. It was a wasted effort. Why? Not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. And so here's what the writer of Hebrews said. He said, the word of God, as powerful as it is, was rendered impotent. It did not profit them at all. Because there is something that's necessary to make the word powerful. Are you with me today? There is what scientists call a catalyst. It's what makes the formula work. It is the ingredient that brings the formula to life. And the apostle said that the catalyst in all of this is faith. The word was preached, but it didn't work because they didn't add the missing ingredient. They didn't have faith. Well, hallelujah. I'm here to tell you, principle number four is simply this. It is our faith that brings the answer. Our faith is the catalyst. Our faith is the active ingredient that makes everything else work. Now I'm going to prove that to you from the scripture. Let's go to some familiar passages of scripture today. And I want to show you what it was that brought about the results. Luke chapter 8 verses 43 through 48. And a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon the physicians, neither could be healed of any came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood was stanched. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter they that, and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And Jesus said, Someone hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. And when, when the woman saw that was, and when the woman that was, not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what caused her, cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. All right, now, now let's stop right there. We're going to read verse 48 in just a moment. This is a familiar story to all of us. We, we know the story of the woman with the issue of blood. Now there are some things about this story that we may not recognize immediately. In fact, I want you to bear with me here for just a moment. And, and don't prejudge what I'm about to say. But I'm going to tell you, something took place in this moment 
that brought about the healing of this woman. Twelve years she suffered. She had been to many physicians. She had spent all of her living. Everything she had, she spent on doctors. But she grew only worse. They could not help her. But in this moment, in the moment that she touched the hem of his garment, she was healed. It stopped right then. Now, what was it that brought about this kind of healing? In fact, let me show you something. I, I want you to read for me again. Read verse 46, Brother, brother um, Goff. Read verse 46. And Jesus said, somebody hath touched me. Somebody hath touched me. Now, listen to this. For I perceive, for I perceive that, virtue that virtue is going out of me. This is past tense. Jesus is walking along. And people are thronging him. They are touching him all the time. But something happened in this moment that Jesus suddenly came to a realization. Wait a minute. Virtue just went out of me. Now listen to me. This is why I say don't prejudge me in what I'm about to tell you. Jesus, as a man, did not even have the time to stop and think, am I going to do this or not? Am I going to heal her or not? This is what he said. I perceive right now the perception has just dawned on me that virtue is already gone out of me. By the time the man Christ Jesus realized it, it was already done. So there's no wrestling. Is this my will? Is this not my will? What's best for this woman? That she be healed or that she go on suffering? Am I trying to work something in her life? Does she need this struggle right now? There's none of that. By the time the man, the humanity, comes to the realization, it's already a done deal. She's already healed. It's already happened. Something pulled the virtue out of him. It was not an act of his will. It was not an act of him making a decision. Something pulled it out of him. Now what was it? Let's go back and read now verse number 48. And he said unto her, he said unto her daughter, daughter, be of good comfort. Be of good comfort. Thy faith. What? Thy faith. What? Faith. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Hath made thee whole. Listen Go to me. Peace. It was not her touch. Come on. It was not his garment. It was not even his spoken word or an act of his will. He declared to her, your faith did this. Because you had faith, your faith brought the result. 
I'm here. I'm trying to help somebody here today. I'm telling you, when we have faith in God, we can sit here and struggle. Well, will God do it or not? Is it God's will or not? I'm telling you, there was none of that even going on in the mind of God in flesh. He was not wondering what's best, what's the future hold, what do I need to do? But because this woman had such faith, for she had said in her heart, if I can touch him, I'm going to be whole. That kind of faith pulled the virtue you out of him I'm here to tell you today if you can have that kind of faith it doesn't matter if you're touching him or a preacher's touching you laying hands on you anointing you with oil or what's happening or just the word of God's going forth or you're just having a prayer meeting at home It doesn't matter what's taking place. I'm here to tell you the moment you have that kind of faith. Oh, I wish somebody would get a revelation here today. I I, I said this last week, but I want to drive this point home. I want to say it and say it and say it until I somehow penetrate that thick wall of unbelief that has wrapped itself around some minds and hearts that are hearing me right now. I want you to understand the devil keeps telling you that you're not worthy, you don't deserve it, you've got this in your past, you've got that in your past, you've got all these situations, God's got too many other important things to do. I'm going to tell you none of that even comes into the equation when you've got faith like this woman had. You just believe. I've, I've seen people walk in. We talked about this last week. I've seen people walk in off the street that had no intention of living for God. But in that moment, they had faith. And God honored that faith. Whether it was, whether it was healing of their body, performing a miracle for them, I've even watched people come in that knew nothing about God and nothing about the Holy Ghost. And the first time they hit the altar, God fills them with the Holy Ghost. How does that happen? When other people pray and pray and pray and pray and pray, like I did. It took me months to receive the Holy Ghost. So I'm not pointing a finger at anybody else. I'm telling you me. It took me months. But I've watched others just walk in. Some of them don't even make it to the altar. They come in the first time and, and, and they sit down in their pew. And while the Spirit of God's moving, they lift their hands and God fills them with the Holy Ghost just like that. Now look, God is no respecter of persons. God doesn't pick and choose and say, I'll do it for this one but not this one. Isn't that what the Bible says? God's no respecter of persons. He's no respecter of persons. So so if he does it for one, he'll do the same thing for anybody. Whatever he'll do for one, he'll do for anybody. So why is it one person can pray through instantly and then someone like me, it takes months? Well, I can tell you right now, my biggest problem was faith. Believing that God would do it. 
And I've told this story before. But, but that Sunday morning when I walked out of service, I told someone that was standing beside me as I was walking out the door, I said, tonight I'm going to receive the Holy Ghost. I had faith. Something happened. And I'm going to tell you, in that moment, when I developed that kind of faith, I came back that night, and guess what? After months of seeking the Holy Ghost, God filled me. Now, what was the difference in that night and all the other nights in previous months? I'll tell you the difference. I had faith that night. And there's something about faith that moves the heart of God. I'm here to tell you, God loves it when somebody will just step out and say, Lord, I believe you. I know I don't deserve it. I know I'm not worthy of it. I just believe you said you'd do it and you can't lie. I've said many times, this woman, this woman was not the only person touching Jesus that day. The multitudes thronged him. They were pushing up against him. They were touching him. Many people were touching him. But one person was healed. It wasn't the touch. Many people touched his garment. It wasn't the garment. Jesus turned to this woman. And, and I've pointed this out before. But you understand, because of this woman's condition, because of what was going on in her body, the Jews, the, the law, the Jewish law declared her to be unclean. And because she was unclean, she wasn't worthy to touch Jesus or his garments. Had he been anyone but Jesus, touching him would have made him unclean. And I'm going to tell you, she, she pressed her way through the throng. Brother Hilton, that says she touched a lot of people. She was leaving a path of uncleanness all the way to Jesus. And rather than Jesus turn around and start condemning her and correcting her, don't you see what you've done, woman? Don't you see? Look at all these people you've defiled now. Look at all these people that are now unclean because of you. He didn't do that. In fact, what did he say? What, verse 48, read, read that again. What did he say? Daughter. What, what, whoa, whoa, whoa. He, he called her daughter. He gave her a term of endearment. In spite of the fact that she came there with the intention of touching him, knowing what the law said, knowing that uncleanness is transferred by touch. But see, he cannot be unclean. He cannot be unclean. He is the only one through whom cleanness is contagious. Hallelujah. For every other individual, our uncleanness is 
it is contagious. We can make others unclean by our touch. But with Jesus, he makes people clean by his touch. Well, praise God. And I'm telling you, he looked down at her. He didn't condemn her. He did not correct her. He called her daughter. And he said, I want to make this very clear. It is her faith that made her whole. Well, that's why she was hiding. That's why verse 47 says that she came trembling before him. She was scared. She knew what she'd done. And she was fully expecting the Lord to let her have it. Now, if you think he never did that to anybody, you need to go back and read the Gospels again. Because there were times he called people snakes, tombs, hypocrites. Hello? He did. In fact, he even called one woman a dog. So don't think he never did that to anybody. And maybe, just maybe, she'd heard some of those stories. Maybe she'd been around when he let some of those Pharisees and scribes have it. And she was afraid. When I touch him, my uncleanness is going to pass on to everything I touch. But this much I know, once I touch him, Everything's going to be all right. And it's worth whatever risk if I can just touch him. She never expected him to speak to her. She never expected, I'm telling you, based on the way this story is written, she had hoped that she could just kind of hide herself in the crowd, reach up, touch. She believed with all of her heart the moment she touched him, she's going to be all right. And then she wants to just fade away into the crowd again and never to be heard from. She hoped she could do all this in secret, but Jesus didn't let it go in secret. Not because he was upset, but because he was well pleased. He wanted us to understand, saints of God, I don't care what your situation is. If you can somehow press your way through the throng of unbelief that is clouding your mind today and reach out to him and touch him, not with your fingers, but with your faith. I don't care how long the situation's been going on. For her, it had been 12 years. For others, it had been their lifetime. Time means nothing to a God who is immortal. A God who is everlasting. A God who existed before there was time. Time means nothing to him. He doesn't care how long you've been in this situation. He doesn't care. He can change it in an instant. He's just waiting on your faith. Now look, this is not the only example. As I've taught you, 
out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. Let me show you. He said to this woman, he said, your faith has made you whole. But this is not the only one. Let's go to Mark chapter 10, verse 52. And Jesus said unto him, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Brother Hilton did a tremendous job of preaching last Sunday night about Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. Amen. This man who was blind. And I, I want to tell you, there was something about it that this man also received his miracle. What was it that brought about the miracle? Jesus said, go thy way, thy faith. Thy faith. Thy Faith is what made you whole. We, as Brother Hilton preached last week, we saw that faith demonstrated. This man was clothed with beggar's garments, but when he got up to go to Jesus, he threw the beggar's garments away. He said, I'm not going to need that anymore. I'm not going to be a beggar after this moment. I'm going forward. He's going to touch me. He's going to give me my sight. Why do you think he kept on crying when everybody else told him to shut up? You want to know why? Because he knew his opportunity had come. His moment was standing before him. It was his faith. It was his faith. What about the ten lepers? There was one who received something very special. Let's read about it in Luke 17, verse number 19. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Ah, yeah, I like this. You see, all ten of them had come to the Lord asking for healing. And the Bible says he healed all ten. Now you understand that with leprosy, leprosy is a very unique disease. Leprosy destroys the nervous system. So you lose all feeling when you have leprosy. People think, I used to think, that leprosy was some kind of rotting disease. Things, you know, body parts rotted because of leprosy. But what leprosy actually does is it destroys the nervous system. So you don't feel anything. And for most lepers, they, they, could, they could reach out and, and stick their hand in fire, and they never felt it. They'd spill hot boiling water on their foot. They never felt it. They would, they would you know, maybe puncture uh, a foot or a hand somehow, and, and then it would become infected, but they never felt it. And the infection would start to cause the flesh to rot away. Sometimes they would be in places and and, and, and animals and varmints and, and bugs would get in and, and start eating away flesh. And they didn't feel it. They didn't know it was happening because leprosy had destroyed their nervous system. And so they didn't feel any of that. And so for most lepers, for most lepers, there were open wounds and missing limbs. That was just a fact of life for most lepers. The Bible says these ten came to Jesus and he healed them. 
Now what it means to heal them is he stopped the leprosy. He took away the leprosy. Suddenly they could feel again. But one of these lepers, all of them, he told them, said, go your way and show yourself to the priest. Because the law required that the priest declare them clean once they had been declared leprous. And so in order for them to now worship God, serve God, a priest had to declare them no longer unclean. And he said, go and show yourself to the priest. So the priest can now make this declaration that you are once again clean. Well, as they went their way, the Bible says they were healed and they realized they were healed. One of them stopped and turned around and went back and began to thank Jesus for what he had done. And this is the one to whom he said, your faith has made you whole. Ten were healed. But one was made whole. Do you understand what that means? If he was missing some fingers, to, me, to be made whole means to have all the missing parts restored. So if some of those nine who were on their way to the priest had come there on crutches, they went away on crutches. If they had come missing an ear, they went away missing an ear. Leprosy would not destroy anything else. But whatever this man was missing, in this moment, his faith did something that had not happened for the other nine. His faith made him whole. Well, praise God. There's so much I could say about this. In fact, I preached a message one time about the difference between being healed and whole. And there are a lot of people in their spiritual condition that have that they've been healed. They've repented. They've stopped the effect of spiritual leprosy in their life. But the Lord doesn't want you to stop with just a spiritual healing. He wants you to be made whole. He wants you to have everything that you're missing. And you want to know the biggest thing man's missing? He's missing the power of the Holy Ghost. Well, hallelujah. you got to have the missing part. Amen. So faith, faith, it was faith that made this woman with the issue of blood whole. It was faith that made Bartimaeus whole. It was faith that made this tenth leper whole. Faith is the catalyst that makes these other principles begin to work. Principle number five. Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 25. Mark 8, verses 22 through 25. And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. 
Now, now the Bible doesn't specifically state the principle I'm about to give you uh, in this passage, but it is stated elsewhere. This is a very unique thing that happens here um, with this particular miracle. For here is a blind man who comes and asks the Lord to touch him. He specifically asks, verse number 22, he besought the Lord to touch him. And so Jesus took him by the hand, led him out of town, spit on his eyes. This is a rather uh, unconventional way to bring about a healing. In fact, would, most of us would have decided to change churches right then. Come on, preacher, can't you do something better than that? I've had people get offended for a lot less, I can promise you. Uh, I won't get into the stories, but anyhow, yeah, I've had people get offended for a whole lot less. But Jesus spit in his eyes. And then he touched him. And he said, tell me, can you see? And the man said, I see men as trees. Now, I want to tell you, if I'm a blind man, and I can't see anything at all, and suddenly I see forms and shapes, there's no clarity there, but... At least I'm seeing something that's a whole lot better off than I was. Hello? There was a tremendous improvement. But Jesus was not satisfied with the improvement. And so he put his hands again on his eyes. And made him look up. And he was restored. And saw every man clearly. Now. First of all. I, I do. It does appear to me. And this is kind of irrelevant. But it does appear to me. That evidently this man had not been born blind. Now why do I say that? Well. First thing is because he knew what trees looked like. Second thing is the Bible says that he was restored. That's Again, it's kind of irrelevant, but it's an interesting point, I think. So here's a man who had been able to see, evidently, and at some point lost his vision. He comes asking for Jesus to touch him. Jesus spits in his eyes. And he is improved. Jesus then lays hands on him. And he's restored. Now, why? Why didn't the first touch do the job? Was 
was there a problem with Jesus' power? Was it that Jesus was maybe, maybe he hadn't prayed that day and he was a little carnal? Of course not. The problem wasn't with Jesus. Is anybody with me today? Now, this is just Bible teaching. I'm not expecting you to run the aisles, but an amen once in a while would help. So, there's not a problem with Jesus. His power is not weakened. And yet, the full miracle does not take place instantly. Why? Well, this is why I say this principle, which I haven't given you yet, principle number five. I think to understand this principle fully, we've got to look at a couple of other scriptures, principle upon principle, precept upon precept, line upon line. Matthew chapter 8, verse 13. Listen to what Jesus says in this case. Matthew 8, 13. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast as believed. As thou hast believed. So be it unto thee. So be it done unto thee. And as, as you believe. Based on how you believe. Let it be done. Can I say it this way? In proportion to your faith. And what happened? And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. His servant was healed in the selfsame hour. Now, let's, again, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let's get another one. Matthew 9, 29. This was in our text. Let me show you what he said. Matthew 9, 29. Then touched he their eyes, then touched saying, he their eyes saying, according, to, according your faith, to your faith, be it unto you. Remember, this when we read our text, and, and last week we talked about it, in this particular instance, these blind men came into the house where Jesus was, and he asked them a very unique question. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Do you believe I can do it? And they said, yes, Lord. And so it was in response to them answering a question. Now, again, he didn't ask the woman with the issue of blood, do you believe this? He didn't ask the leper, do you believe this? He didn't ask Bartimaeus, do you believe this? But these blind men, he specifically asked them. They had come there for healing. And yet he specifically asked them, do you believe I can do this? They said, oh, yes, Lord, we, we believe it. And his response was, according to or based on your faith, be it unto you. As I said a while ago, in proportion to your faith. So principle number five is, is simply this. How much we receive is directly proportionate to how much we believe. Little faith, little results. Big faith, big results. Now, what are little results? We'll talk about that in a few minutes, so stay with me before you 
prejudge what I just said. Let me defend my remarks in a little while. Precept upon precept, remember. But if you have great faith, you'll see great things. If you have small faith, what you see won't be as great as it could be. All right? Now, I'm saying that in a specific way. Words mean things. If you have small faith, what you see won't be as great as it could be if you had great faith. But I'm here to tell you, and I'm going to prove it in a few minutes, you can still see great things happen, even with small faith. I'll show you in a little while. But I do want you to understand, saints of God, that God looks at the measure of our faith. He looks at the amount of our faith. And He grants us based on how much we're willing to believe for. Now here's what I believe took place. This is my opinion, but this is what I believe took place with that blind man. The blind man came to Jesus and said, I want you to touch me so I can see. And Jesus took him out of the city and spit in his eyes. And when he opened his eyes, he said, I see men as trees. Now that's a big step from total blindness. Why didn't he see perfectly well? Not because Jesus' power was weak, but I believe based on these other scriptures, this man's faith was weak. Now that's still a pretty good miracle if you ask me. From blindness to seeing men as trees is still a pretty good miracle. But I want to tell you, here's what I believe also happened. Something snapped in the mind of that man if he can take me from blindness to seeing men as trees. It's not that much more to take me from seeing men as trees to seeing men as men. If I've only got this much faith, but that's how far he took me. With that much faith, all i got to do is use that much faith again, and he'll add to it, and it'll all be done. See, we don't do that. We come down, we get prayer. We think, mm, I'm feeling a little bit better. Well, but I don't feel well. So evidently he didn't heal me. I've seen people do that with receiving the Holy Ghost. They talk in tongues a little bit. Well, they didn't get everything they thought they should get. So they don't think they got anything at all. Now, are you really going to tell me this blind man who couldn't see anything but is now seeing ministries didn't get anything at all? Just because he didn't get everything he wanted in that moment doesn't mean he didn't get anything. Are you hearing me? And I'm telling you, we'd see a whole lot more miracles come to completion if when we feel a little better, we would stand on that and say, all right, God, it's not your problem, it's mine. Evidently, that's all the faith I had. But that faith brought me to this point. I'm feeling this much better now. I'll just use that same amount of faith and let you make me feel this much better again. And I'll use that much faith and I'll feel this much better again. And I'm going to keep on using this little bit of faith until I get all the way to the end. 
Come on, I'm trying to help somebody today. I'm telling you, God can carry you from where you are right now all the way across the finish line with just a little bit of faith. If you'll just stand upon what God is doing in that little bit of faith, let him carry you a little farther and a little farther and a little farther. Instead of rejecting what he's done. Instead of letting the devil convince you that nothing happened. Well, stand in the faith that you have. Thank God for the progress that you've seen. Quit letting the devil steal from you the victories God gives based on your faith. You know, last week we closed out with a time of prayer asking God, help my unbelief. Anybody remember that? That's the way we prayed to close out the service last week. Help my unbelief. So if we're admitting there's unbelief there, then we've got to admit, all right, I've, I've got some faith. It's not as much faith as I need to have, but there's still some faith. And if a little bit of faith can bring a man from being blind to seeing ministries, then my little bit of faith can move me closer to the goal I'm seeking for. Oh, hallelujah. Well, praise God. Come on, saints of God. I'm telling you, the devil does this. He plays with our minds over and over. How many things have we watched God do over the last few months? How many people have we seen God touch, and yet the devil tries to steal it away from us because we look around at, at some situation or circumstance and say, well, it's not this, and it's not this, and we didn't do this, and we didn't, this didn't happen, and so evidently God didn't do anything. No, God did a lot. But he's responding to the amount of faith we have. Now let's stand in what we've been given and use that same amount of faith to take us even farther. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. So, let's move on. Principle number six. Which really, again, these are, these are just... Precept upon precept. And so many times it's a natural thing to come to the very next conclusion. Such as, principle number six, is that there are varying degrees of faith. So many times we think, well, I don't have faith. And yet that's not necessarily the case. You may not have as much faith as you want. But I think you've got some faith. So rather than saying, I don't have any, let's recognize there are varying degrees. Now, I can't prove this. Again, this is, and this is why I always tell you, if it's something that I can't prove scripturally, if it's my opinion, I'll always tell you it's my opinion. And this is my opinion. But, but you remember the story of the man who was sick of the palsy. 
And he had four friends that took him up on the roof. And they led him down through the roof into the presence of Jesus. When he got into the presence of Jesus, I want you to notice what the Bible says. Mark chapter 2, verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven. Well, given thee. When Jesus saw their faith, it doesn't say when Jesus saw his faith. I don't know if he had any faith. The Bible doesn't say anything about his faith. It doesn't say that he asked them to take him to Jesus. I don't read where he made the request. In fact, everything in this story leading up to this moment really is focused not so much on the man as it is on the man's friends. They're the ones doing the work. They're the ones peeling the roof off. They're the ones letting him down. Hello. But what do we know about him? He's sick of the palsy. That's that's what we know. He's sick. And he has friends. And his friends. His friends. Decided that they would take him. In fact, get, get your Bible, Brother Goff, because just in case you've got a question about whether I'm really telling this story accurately, go to Mark chapter 2. And, and just start reading verse 1. Let's, let's just read the story as it's written. Mark chapter 2 and verse 1, read. And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. Uh-huh. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. Uh-huh. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. Uh-huh. And they came and unto him. they came unto him. Bringing one, bringing sick, one of the palsy, sick of the palsy. Which was born which of was four. Which was born of four. And when they now, 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 wait, wait. There is, I'm telling you, the whole focus is on everyone else. It's not about this man and his faith. It's not about this man asking them, please get me in there where Jesus is. I don't see that in the story. But these four were carrying him. Verse 4. And when they could not come nigh. they could not come nigh. Unto him for the press. They uncovered the roof where he was. And when when they had broken it up, they let down the bed. They let down the bed. Wherein the sick of palsy lay. He lay. All right, now notice the plural here, the, the, the pronoun that's used is not referring to the man. They let down 
the bed where the sick of the palsy lay. So he, they are kept separated in this story. Do you see that? There's a separation in the story. They are the ones carrying him. He's the one on the bed. And so with that in mind, they let down the bed where he lay, the sick of the palsy lay. And verse 5 says, when Jesus saw, when their, Jesus faith. saw their faith. Now again, the pronouns got to refer back for continuity's sake. He's not seeing the faith of the man who's sick. He's seeing the faith of the ones who led him down into the Lord's presence. Right? So, I submit to you that here was a man, evidently, he didn't have any faith. Evidently, he didn't believe the Lord could do it. But his friends did. But what was the end result of having no faith? What happened in this story? He was healed. Now, not because of his lack of faith, but because somebody there had some faith. And Jesus responded to their faith. Oh, listen to me. Listen to me. You come down here for prayer. And you think, I, I just, I really don't know that I've even got the faith to believe God's going to do it. Well, let me just tell you something. And this is a fact. It's easier to believe for someone else than it is to believe for yourself. So even if you think you don't have the faith to see the miracle, you know what you ought to do? You ought to trust in the faith of those that are gathered around you. Lord, I'm struggling right now with my own unbelief, but... But these folks must believe it. Would you look at their faith right now? Would you honor their faith just like you did the man that was sick of the palsy? Jesus just kind of overlooked his lack of faith and focused on the faith of those around him. And there still was a miracle. All right. So, so first of all, the first degree of faith is no faith. To have no faith, which was, from what it appears to me, the condition of this particular man. The next degree of faith is, is Mark chapter 9, verse 24. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. So, so here's a man who's got some faith. But he recognizes he also has some doubt. So we'll call this little faith. There was no faith, and then there's a man here who just has a little faith. He does believe, but he's struggling because he's also got some unbelief. But what was the end result of this story? What? Yeah, it was a son, but yeah. 
Yeah, his son. Was, the, the devil was still cast out. The man only had a little faith. But the devil was still cast out. Oh, I want somebody to understand. The enemy wants you so focused on your unbelief that it clouds your mind to the point that what little faith you do have gets drained completely. But if you could ever wake up and realize, and I know, I know, in fact, I went back recently and listened again to my pastor uh, when he preached here some 25 years ago, and he, he made the statement, he said, I hate that song, faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. He said, I hate that song. And I, I understand what he's saying because he was a man of great faith. But I am here to tell you that there really is some truth to that song. You don't need a whole lot of faith. You don't have to have. Now, his point was, if we're not careful, we'll just live our lives with just a little bit of faith. And that's not what God wants. He wants our faith to increase. So I understand exactly what he's saying. But I'm just telling you, the words of the song really are accurate. That you don't have to have a lot of faith to see God do things. You just have to use the faith that you have. Read for me Matthew 17, verse 20. Let me prove this to you. And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, If ye have faith if as a... you have faith. As a grain, As a of, grain mustard seed, of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall be removed, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Nothing shall be impossible unto you. Nothing shall be impossible to you. If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen the grains of mustard seed to which Jesus refers. They are not like the mustard plants that, that most of us would be familiar with. But these mustard seeds were extremely, extremely tiny. Very, very small. And Jesus just declared, if that's the kind of faith you've got, you can still speak to a mountain. I know this I know this is this sounds funny. I can't I can't read that scripture without thinking of and, and, and last week I told a story that I've told many times exceeding abundantly above. There, that's not the only time that God has performed miracles for us. That's not the only time that God has come through and shown us his glory. There was a situation with my middle daughter, um, my wife was expecting my middle daughter, and we had been teaching school for Elder McLean in Houston. Uh, we'd been with him for two years, and then I was elected pastor at a church some five hours away, and they were ready for me to get there, but, but my wife was still expecting, and we were getting down to the wire. I mean, we're talking, it was... The first of August, 
uh, first part of August, and Elder McLean had to have somebody else running the school. We were leaving. We were living in the um, apartment they had built for someone who would be working at the school. We had it still occupied. We needed to get on to the church where we were pastoring, and we needed to get out of the place we were in. Everybody's with me. And yet there just didn't seem to be any progress. This child just didn't seem to want to come. And so I was talking to my brother-in-law. Lesson learned. And he said, you know, in the old days, if they wanted a woman to go into labor, they'd give her castor oil. Now, some of you have no idea what that is. And if you don't know, you just should say, thank God. And don't decide you want to try it. But he convinced us that if she would just take some castor oil, that baby would be born. And so she did. And lo and behold, she's having contractions every few minutes. I mean, it looks like baby's coming. And she called her mama, who lived, I, I don't know, six hours away or so. And um, things were a lot different back in those days, you got to understand. And, and mama got on a Greyhound bus to head to Houston to be there for the birth of this grandchild. Now, there weren't cell phones back in those days. And traveling by Greyhound bus is not the greatest method of travel. And it takes longer than what it would take if you just got in your car. Because they're going to stop at every little nook and cranny along the way. Pick up passengers or let off passengers or drop off uh, shipments. They actually used to, people used to ship things before FedEx and UPS. They'd, they'd, they'd ship things on Greyhound. I know because that was one of the jobs that I held was, was I was, a, I was a, an agent for Greyhound and Trailways bus lines uh, helping folks ship their packages and selling transportation tickets. And I did some of that when I was in high school. And um, so my mother-in-law was on a bus for Houston. And my wife called her doctor, and we didn't have insurance, and so he was trying to keep her out of the hospital um, as long as possible and, and didn't want there to be a lengthy stay so we wouldn't have a lot of uh, costs involved. And so he told her, said, why don't you just get a good nap and try to sleep, rest up, and um, then when, when the contractions get two minutes apart or something he gave her sometimes, and then, then call me and head to the hospital. And so that was the plan. So we went to take a nap and slept for just a little while and got up, and there were no contractions. There was no movement. There was nothing happening. And so my wife started worrying about the worst. 
Have I done something? Have I harmed this baby? Have I done something bad in what I've done here? And she didn't want to tell her doctor what she'd done in taking the castor oil. She didn't want to admit that that was the whole case of what was happening. And so back then we had this thing called yellow pages. Again, some of you have no idea what, I'm, I'm using foreign language now. But in the yellow pages, we looked up this, this phone number for ask a nurse. You could just call and anonymously tell them what was going on, and a nurse would, would answer your questions over the phone. And so, since you could remain anonymous, my wife called ask a nurse and told her what was going on. and said, here's the situation. We, I took this castor oil, and I was having contractions real regular, and all of a sudden, there's nothing. Baby's not moving, and I'm afraid I've done some damage. And the nurse said, no, 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 no. Let me, let me just explain something to you. With the castor oil, what you did is you actually were causing your stomach to have these contractions and not the womb. And if the baby's ready, then it will start the process. If the baby's not ready, then what happened to you is exactly what happens. It just all stops, and you go right back to where you were. And so we thought, what do we do now? Mother-in-law's on the way. You can't call her. You can't tell her to turn around and go home. We don't know what to do. So I went to prayer. And I started praying. And, and I think this church knows I don't go around saying all the time that God spoke to me. I, I, some people, it seems like God tells them what color socks to wear. I don't know. They seem to hear from God all the time. I, I just don't use that phrase lightly. But I am telling you, God spoke to me that day in prayer. And this sounds funny, but I'm just telling you what he said. While I was deep in prayer, God, what do we do? My mother-in-law's on her way, and we've got to, we've got to get to the church you sent us to. Something's got to happen here. What, what are we going to do? And the Lord spoke to me these words. He said, speak to the mountain. Now, my wife's nine months pregnant. Some of you are getting the picture. And I, I'm telling you, it was, it was one of those things that I was so certain that it was the voice of God. There was no question in my mind. And my wife can tell you, she's lived with me for 42 years, almost, and um, she can tell you, there's not a whole lot of times that I come in and say, hey, God spoke to me, and this is what we're supposed to do. But I walked in very confidently that day, and I said, honey, the Lord told me to speak to the mountain. If I remember correctly, she kind of grinned. I said, I'm serious. I said, let's pray. And so standing there in the kitchen of that apartment, I reached up and laid my hand on her head. And I said, right now, in the name of Jesus, I speak to this mountain. And I began to pray. And nothing happened. And we went on about our business that evening thinking nothing had taken place. And that night we went to bed. 7 o'clock the next morning, 
my wife woke up and said, my water broke. Let's head to the hospital. I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you that just a little bit of faith and God moved a mountain. He took care of a situation. Mother-in-law got there in time for the baby to be born. Everything was fine. It all worked out perfectly. But it's because I spoke to the mountain in a moment of faith. I'm here to tell you, saints of God, I'm here to tell you that just a little bit of faith, just a little bit of faith, if you'll quit focusing on your doubts, quit focusing on your unbeliefs, quit letting the devil fill your head with negativity. Well, praise God. So I'm here to say to you today that even a little bit of faith can bring results. Mark chapter 11, verse 23, read. For verily I say unto you that whatsoever, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. All right, so, so I want you to look at this. He said that when you say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast in the sea, don't doubt it in your heart, but believe that the things that you say will come to pass. So here's what I want to tell you. Your faith needs to exceed your doubt. Somehow you've got to get to the place that you're more focused on your faith. Now, when I say exceed, I don't mean that you've got to have more faith than doubt. What I mean is that somehow you've got to focus on your faith. You've got to understand that this little bit of faith that I've got is enough to move a mountain. I don't have to have a, a, a heart that is filled with faith. I just have to be focused on my faith and not on my doubt. Luke chapter 17, verses 5 through 6. I'm trying to hurry, so I don't have to break this into a, a part 3. And the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. Now, now look, this is their request. Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. But listen to what he said in response. And the Lord said, if ye had faith as if a grain of mustard seed. you have faith as a grain of mustard seed. You may say unto the sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should and obey it you. it should obey you. Here's what I'm telling you. Rather than asking for more faith, Jesus said, just use what you've got. You don't have to have more faith. Listen to me. Faith is like a muscle. The more you use it, the bigger it gets. And just praying, God, build my faith, build my faith, build my faith. No, no, no. What you got to do is you got to start using the faith you've got. You got to start focusing on the fact that you do believe God. Throw out the doubt. Forget about the doubt. When it starts plaguing your mind, don't let it control your thoughts. Understand that what faith you've got is enough. I want everyone to say, my faith, is enough. my faith is enough. I want everyone to say, my faith is enough. Now, if only I could get you to believe it as easily as I get you to say it. 
your faith is enough. And listen to me. This is why Jesus, when they said increase our faith, that's their request. Increase our faith. Increase our faith. Jesus didn't say, okay, let me tell you what we're going to do to increase it. He just said, use what you got. If all you've got is like a grain of mustard seed, use that. Because if you use that, you know what's going to happen as a result? What was their request? Increase our faith. So he said, if you use what you've got, you will increase your faith. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Listen, I'm telling you, they had faith. Let me prove it to you. Let's go to Matthew chapter 8, verses 24 to 26. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he said unto them, why are you fearful? Now, now, now listen, we often take this as a rebuke. But in light of what I've been telling you, I want you to rethink the way this is stated. Why are you fearful? O ye of little faith. O ye of little faith. What is there? He didn't say, O ye of no faith. What is there to be afraid of when you've got a little faith? Why are you worried about the storm when you've got a little faith? A little faith can move mountains. A little faith can pluck up trees. A little faith could have stopped this storm. We think of this as some great rebuke when Jesus says to them, Oh, ye of little faith. I don't see it that way anymore, Brother Goff. I now look at it as Jesus is trying to help them to comprehend. You've got the faith you need. You could have stopped this storm. There's no reason for you to be afraid if you'll just use the faith that you've got. Oh, is anybody hearing this preacher this morning? Is anybody going to push their way through the doubts, the fears, the unbelief that plagues your mind and wake up and realize that what faith I've got is enough to do what needs to be done? And so there is no faith. There is little faith. And then... There is great faith. Let's talk about great faith. Matthew 15, verses 21 to 28. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came un and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to, the, to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the, the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, o woman great is thy great faith. Great is thy faith. 
Be it unto thee even Be as thou wilt. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. You can have anything you want. That's what he said. You can have whatever you want. There's no limit on the answer you get. Because you have great faith. Now, I won't take time to go through all the obstacles, but, but I will tell you this. I will tell you this. One thing that I see in this woman is persistence. The disciples turned her away. She kept asking. Jesus ignored her. She kept asking. Jesus said, I'm only come for the Jews. She kept asking. Jesus called her a dog. She kept asking. And Jesus looked at her and said, great is your faith. Can I tell you that great faith is, is, is equal, amen, to persistence. This is what God sees as great faith. Now, I've heard people say, if you keep asking, that means you don't believe. That's not what I see in the Scripture. The fact that she kept asking is why Jesus said you got great faith. Because, you see, here's the way I see it. When you keep asking, you know he's the one that can answer. He's the one that's got the power. He's the one that's able to do it. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm telling you, when you keep asking, you say, God, I'm not letting you go because I know you're the only one that can turn this around for me. I'm not going to stop asking because I know, I know, I know, I know, I know that you can do it. The others may have turned me aside, but I know you can do it. You may have ignored me, but I know you can do it. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, again, this is what the devil does. He plays with our mind. We get prayed for it, nothing happens. And so what do we do? Oh, well, God doesn't want to do it. No, no, no. Great faith says, okay, I didn't get it this time. See you next time, Lord. I'm coming back until you do it. I'm not stopping until you do it. Luke 18, I've got to hurry, I've got to hurry. Luke 18, verses 1 to 8. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray now listen, and not listen. to faint. listen, listen. He spoke this parable for the very reason, to this end, that men would keep on praying and not what? Faint. Not faint. In other words, don't get tired. Don't give up. Don't quit. Right. Amen. Now, he spoke this parable so men would keep praying. Don't, don't read this wrong, that men ought always to pray. He's not just saying that you need a consistent prayer life. That's not what he's saying because of the story he told. Let's read the story. Saying, there was in a city a judge which uh -huh. feared not God, yeah. neither regarded man. And there was a widow in There's that widow. city, uh -huh. and she came unto him saying, avenge me, avenge me of mine adversary. Yeah. And he would not he would for not a while. For a while. But afterward he said within himself, though I fear not God, oh, no regard man. Oh, yeah. Yet because this because widow troubleth this me, widow troubleth me I, will avenge her. I will avenge her. Lest by her Lest continual, coming, by her she continual weary me. coming, she weary me. And the 
Lord said, Hear what the unjust the Lord judge said. Saith. Listen up, guys. And shall not God avenge his own elect? Shall not God avenge his own elect? Which cry which day cry and night day unto him. And night though unto he bear him, long with them. Though he bear long with them. I tell you that he will avenge he them will speedily. He will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, Shall he find faith on the earth? Now look, he started this parable and gave it, Luke said, for the very reason. He doesn't want you to stop asking. He does not want you to quit asking. You ask and you ask and you ask and you ask. You don't get it today, you ask again. You don't get it in this service, you ask again. You don't stop asking just because you don't get the answer. You keep asking, you keep asking, you keep asking. He said, even when the judge had no fear of God or man, you be persistent enough and you'll get what you want. Now, he's saying if there's an ungodly, unjust judge that will honor persistence, what do you think the judge of all mankind, the great and true and honest and fair judge is going to do when his people start praying and they pray and they pray and they pray and they pray? Come on, saints. Are we satisfied with the revival God's given us? Or are we going to ask again? Are we going to ask again and again and again and again? Are you satisfied with the people God saved? Are you satisfied with the lost loved ones that have come in? Are you satisfied with the miracle you got? Or are we going to ask again and again and again and again and again? Are you satisfied with the level of miracle you've received? Or are you going to ask again and again and again and again? That's what God's looking for. When the Son of Man comes, can he find that kind of faith? People just keep asking. They keep asking. They keep asking. All right, my time is passed up. Passed up. Let me just try real quick. Because I still, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not done. I'm not done. I've got, Lord have mercy. I've still got. Almost three pages of notes. I can't do it. We're just going to have to do a part three. And I didn't finish all the degrees of faith. We still got another degree of faith. We're going to go beyond great faith. There is something higher than even great faith. Well, praise God. But I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter which one of these degrees we've talked about. Everybody got an answer. There is nobody that was turned away. You know what the Lord's trying to do at the Truth Church? He's trying to lift our faith. He's trying to build our faith. He's trying to get us to the place that we quit just walking away and giving up. He wants us to be back again tonight saying, all right, God, it didn't happen this morning, but we're not giving up. We're looking for it tonight. He wants us to come back here Tuesday night and say, all right, God, didn't happen Sunday night, but we're going to be back asking again. We're not giving up, God. We know. We know what you said, and we know what you're able to do, and we are not going to stop. Right. We are like Jacob of old. I won't let you go until you bless me. You're just going to have to put up with me. Till that blessing comes. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands and talk to the Lord.
Oh, persistence, persistence, persistence. God's looking for that kind of persistent faith. Bible said, which of you? Which of you? Shall have a friend. You go to him at midnight and you say, I need some bread. And he said, don't bother me. We're already in bed. It's going to be too much trouble to get up right now. He said, but let me tell you something about it. You knock on that door long enough, and it doesn't matter what time it is or how inconvenient it is. They may not just get up and give you the bread because you're their friend. But they will give you the bread if you keep asking. Now, why would he say that? Unless he wants us to keep asking him. He's telling us, don't stop asking. Well, what if it's not God's will? Well, I'm going to tell you this. You keep asking until God specifically says, it's not my will. If you haven't heard him say no, then you keep asking. You don't come up with, well, it must be no because it didn't happen. That's what the devil wants you to do. But you don't just make up a no. God wants you to ask and ask and ask and ask and ask. If it's no, he'll tell you no. But until then, you keep asking. You keep asking and you keep asking and you keep asking. You keep presenting that need to him and I'm telling you, you will get your answer. Ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone. That asketh. Now here's the interesting thing. That word asketh is present active indicative in the original. What that means is it's not just to ask one time. Everyone that keeps asking receives. And everyone that keeps seeking finds. And everyone that keeps knocking has the door open to them. That's what God's looking for in our life.